This is Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Your 803 tee time every Sunday morning right here on ESPN 925 and 1300 AM. Backspin Golf is brought to you by Gearheads of Nicholasville. Edwin Watts Golf, Truly Nolan and Critter Control, French Lick Resort Casino, and Lexington Parks and Recreation. Also sponsored by Commonwealth Credit Union, Georgetown Advantage Air, and Maple Leaf Gutter and Siding Systems. Let's join your host, Matthew Lawrence, for Backspin Golf. Good morning. Good morning. 8.03 tea time. The Square Country Club on Main Street in downtown Lexington. I hope you're all having a good weekend so far, other than some of the basketball stuff that's gone on. But this is a golf show. And we're always doing okay with golf around here. Uh, The good news, I talked about it on my daily show last week. As we all know, after that horrific wind event last Friday night and Saturday morning, Uh, So much of our five great golf courses, our public courses here, were closed for at least two or three days. But they are now open and operating uh, the way we we like them to. And I want to give a huge shout out to every single person that worked tirelessly at Picadome and Kearney Hill and Lakeside and Tates Creek and Meadowbrook to remove all the debris, the trees. There is still some work to be done, but all the courses are playable. So shout out to all of them. Uh, We got a big date today. Final round of the Players' Championship. This is not your normal Players' Championship. Uh, as we go into the final round, uh, the final group, Scotty Scheffler is two shots clear of Kinwoo Kim Kim Lee. And uh, th- I love this guy, but uh, this is going to be a great final round. There's a lot that still can happen, although I'd be shocked if Scheffler does not win today. But we've had several things happen at uh, Pantra Vidra Beach at Sawgrass. For the first time, they moved the players to 19, in 1982 to Sawgrass. For the first time, there were two holes in one so far. That's through three rounds. The first one came on the sixth shot of the golf tournament on Thursday. Uh, and another one yesterday uh, that was just fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, so two holes in one. Yesterday, the lowest single round ever at the players since 1982 when they moved to Sawgrass. 69.57 was the stroke average yesterday. We've never seen that before uh, there. Perfect weather once they started their third round. And a lot of these guys went low yesterday, including Tom Hoagie, who has been playing really well, broke the course record yesterday, shot 62. There have been 17,000 rounds played at Sawgrass in the Players' Championship since 82. No one has ever shot 62 before, and Tom Hoagie did it 
yesterday, and it was incredible. So today's going to be a really big day out there. We have, uh, it's going to be a great sports day. We still have NCAA tournament uh, games, you know, deciding who's going to the tournament. We have conference championship games being played and golf. So this is going to be awesome. Joining me today, I can't wait. First up will be Ryan Ballinger of Golf Newsnet. Uh, he is He's the one person I wanted to explain all these new proposals of the PGA to me. Because, you know, I, I'm going to tell him, talk to me like I'm a eight-year-old or a five-year-old or something. Uh, and then Matt Saturnus, our buddy from Plugged In Golf, who will give us a lot of different things to look at. Uh, he does incredible reviews of everything connected to golf, golf clubs, clothes, shoes, all kinds of things. We're going to talk to him about what we need as we get back out on the course. And then finally, a new friend of the show, and I am so impressed with her. Sally Morgan is the executive director of the Golf House Kentucky and those wonderful people that run basically so much of the whole state of Kentucky in terms of golf. Uh, and Sally Morgan is just a joy. So we'll hear from all of them right here, Backspin Golf. I'm ready to go, so let's tee it up. You know, one of the, it's good to have a hiatus every once in a while, like we did here at Backspin Golf, but it's also great to get back to speaking with our friends about the game we love. And this friend of mine, uh, I, I'll just say it now, there aren't too many people that can teach me things about the game of golf. Whatever it is about actual playing, because he's really good, uh, about the nuances of the game, you know, just everything. Things like PGA Tour proposals that are going on, things like that. Ryan Ballinger is one of those guys, and uh, he is with Golf Newsnet, which we'll talk about, which has become this uh, golf conglomerate, apparently. I want to find out how he pulled that off. Or you can follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Ballinger, R-Y-A-N-B-A-L-L-E-N-G-E-E, or at, I think it's the Golf Newsnet. Is that right, Ryan? It's just Golf News Net, which is oh. kind of confusing. But Okay, yeah. No, Golf News Net is good. <laughs> it's good, too. It's great to talk to you, man, uh, as always. And here, I know the players is going on and I, all that stuff. Yeah, what, whatever. Okay. I want you to explain to me, as I told you before, like I'm a five-year-old, maybe a seven-year-old, about the proposals from the PGA Tour for the 2024 season. Because I, I still, I understand some of it, but I don't get all of it. So can you explain it to me? I don't know if I can get it all the way there because I don't think they have it all figured out yet. But wow. it sounds like they've got a framework and that framework could still be subject to change. But I think here's the gist of it. They're going to have this idea of designated events moving forward, right? But the design, what's going to be considered a designated event 
is not going to be exactly the same as this year. They're going to take out things like the major championships, which they don't control. They're going to take out the players. It's going to be its own standalone thing. They're going to take out the FedEx Cup playoffs because they're going to be there regardless. Right. And they're going to have what amounts to eight designated tournaments. And those tournaments will probably include the three invitationals, Tigers, Arnie's Jacks, and then they'll have the Century Tournament of Champions, and then they'll have four that sound like they're still going to move around, but maybe not frequently. Yeah. One of those sounds like it's going to be Pebble Beach, and then we'll figure out the others. Maybe Travelers gets to do it again. I, I'm not exactly sure there. But the, the big rub is that this year, those events that are designated events aren't necessarily going to have a limited field, and they aren't necessarily going to have a, a no-cut nature to them. Well, next year, they definitely are. So they're going to have fields somewhere in the area of 70 to 80 players, they say. That's still in flux, but let's just call it 72 or 78. And then they're going to have no cuts in them. They're going to play for $20 million. And the way that you're going to get into those is by getting into the second stage of this year's FedEx Cup playoffs. So if you get to the BMW Championship, which is now the top 50 players instead of the top 70 as it used to be, mm -hmm. then you're going to get yourself a nice little bonus by getting into all these tournaments next year. Basically a free million dollars your way. And then they're going to fill out the rest of the field with the top 10 or so players in the current season FedEx Cup standings as of the cutoff date for that tournament. And then they're going to schedule things in a way where you're going to have basically two quote-unquote designated tournaments in a row, so probably a major and a PGA Tour run event. And then you're going to have three quote-unquote regular events in between. And if you do well in the three regular events, you can play your way into the next designated event. Right. So they're trying to create a system where that kind of reinforces itself while trying to preserve itself, if that if that all makes sense. It does. Actually, I'm a 10-year-old. I don't know if seven I would have understood it, but 10, I can definitely understand it. Okay. Uh, now, here's the rub. Uh, and not for me, because I think this is a good thing. I think it's, and there'll be adjustments, but I think it's a good thing going forward. Here's the rub, though. As soon as it was announced, no cuts. Everyone, including me, went, wait a minute, that's live golf. Wait a minute, wait a minute, this is BS. I, you know, I went, as I tend to do, I went a little nuts at the beginning. <laughs> but it's there are already no cut events that these right. guys play in. And it's not, re, it's not anything like, it's not shotgun start. And there are ways as you said, for the other pros to play their way into these tournaments, right? Right. And I, I think the contention from the PGA Tour is, yeah, we don't have a 36-hole cut, but the cut is a season-long one because you didn't get into the top 50 in the FedEx Cup. You didn't get into the designated series. If you're not in the current top 10, 12, whatever they come up with in the FedEx Cup, that's the cut. You didn't get in because of that. If you didn't play well recently, that's the cut. You didn't get in because of that. And I, I guess I can buy that argument to a degree. But like you said, there are already 10 tournaments on the PGA Tour or so that have no cuts as it is. Right. And and that's okay. Tiger won a boatload of them. He, yeah. he dominated the WGCs, which were all no-cut affairs. And no one thought, hey, those wins are kind of worthless because he didn't have to fight a cut. <laughs> and, and I don't think that's going to change moving forward just because they have fundamentally the same number of no-cut events. Maybe, right. what, two, three more? something like that. So that's okay. I, I don't think that the problem to me with Liv was having no cut. 
it was having no cut with 48 players. And what we've seen with Liv over the first year and change of this experiment they've been running is that really no more than like 24 players have even a chance of winning the tournament that week that they play it. So with 72 or 78 players, you probably double the number of players who might have a chance of winning. And the reality is that Live is an invitational series invited to the people who agreed to take the Saudi money and sign on the dotted line. Right. For the PGA Tour, it's their best players. Mm-hmm. Every, every time out for $20 million, plus some hot players, plus some players who have done well in the last couple of weeks. So from a quality of field standpoint, yeah, there might not be a cut from the 36-hole perspective, but you had to do something pretty special to get in there in the first place, which means you probably have a decent chance to be competitive with the yeah. entire field. Right. See that now that's the that a seven-year-old me could understand. That was perfect. Uh, uh but I want to talk about this for a minute because I haven't yet. There are those odd players, and I mean odd kind of in every way, like James Hahn, who it came out immediately and trashed the whole proposal thing. And then when they had a meeting of the players, he didn't show up to talk about it or anything. And I guess in every sport, you're going to have guys like that, like uh, James Hahn, who will say things. But there have been a few of the other pros, but it doesn't really matter because I'm not worried about James Hahn, you know, winning one of these events or making it into it. But I just, I thought it was interesting because Rory, who has become the face of the PGA Tour, and I like that. I think he's a great one to do that. Um, you know, Rory even said, so you come out and you talk all this bleep, and then you don't even show up for the meeting, so beat it. Uh, we've never seen all of these dynamics since ever until Live Golf came along. And now there's it's not just the Players' Championship this week. It's all the other stuff, too. Yeah, but there's always been this divide. It just hasn't been codified in the same way that it is now. I mean, go back to Tiger. There used to be the Tiger Tour. All the tournaments he played, they had great sponsors, bigger purses, and great television times. All the other ones, not so much. much. Yeah. So that was then. Then you created this era of the FedEx Cup, and you had tournaments that were regular points allocations. You had tournaments that were elevated between the majors and the WGCs and the Invitationals. Mm -hmm. And then you had the opposite field events or alternate events, which got 60% of the points. Well, you just created a hierarchy there. So that's been in place for, what, a a decade, 12, 13 years since they went to that style of point system. So you've always had this. You just didn't have necessarily the same amount of money attached to it as you do now. But I would also argue you weren't playing for eight, nine, ten million dollars $10 every week just five years ago. Yeah. And th- th- that's largely thanks to a new television deal that funnels the PGA Tour something just short of a billion dollars a year. Well, guess where that money's going to go now that the stars have a an option, at least for mm-hmm. however long live lasts, to go cash in. It's going to them. It's not going right. to you. Right. And I-, I think that what they have come up with is imperfect for sure, particularly for players to be able to move in and out of that designated series. And the tour says, well, we have modeling that suggests 40% of players can move out of the top 50 from year to year. But it sounds like they're going to try their darndest 
to preserve that top 50 for the most part from year to year. And there's a balance there of trying to keep superstars happy and keep them engaged in the biggest events. But at the same time, you also have to create new superstars. They did that when players left for live. And now you've got new players who are household names all of a sudden because there was a vacuum and they stepped in. So you need, I think there's going to be some tweaking of this before they come to the final solution here. And in pretty much every year after, they're going to come up with some tweak to kind of make it make more sense for some real version of relegation and elevation. Right. See, that's all. This is all perfect. And I'm all for this, which in reality is the only thing that matters is whether I think it's good or not. I mean, you know, <laughs> we all know that. I mean, uh, Rory keeps te- texting me and saying, do you think this is right? I can't I can't be bothered anymore. I told him to just go play. Uh, all right, before I let you go, talk to me for a minute about Golf News Net because they're, they're, it's got all these branches now and stuff and where you can find it. And talk to me about that. It's awesome. Well, it's uh, it's, it's coming along pretty well. So we, we've had the website for right. uh, as long, you know, forever. And, and that's still there and it, it does a good job. And in October, we launched Golf News Net Radio, which is the first 24-7 free-to-access golf talk station on the planet. Your Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, that's a subscription product. And Amazing. it's lovely. But yeah. uh, we've partnered with iHeart on our version, which really caters more to the hardcore golf fan, a hardcore golfer, not necessarily a tour fan only. And so we have about 35 shows right now that air from around the world. Uh, with different hosts, different perspectives, different topics. And mm. it's available on our website and through iHeart, all of their mobile apps, website apps, yeah, in your car, smart speakers. Same thing with TuneIn for our international friends. So if you're outside of North America, you can listen through TuneIn and, and do all of those same things. And uh, it's it's really, really exciting to have just all kinds of different perspectives and voices and uh, expose people to great audio content that's out there about golf that for whatever reason is siloed or regionalized or just doesn't get heard by enough people. And that, that's really the mission of this entire thing is yes, it's a commercial enterprise, but to, to create a place where people who create content about golf and want to have interesting conversations about golf can come together in the same spot and meet up and hopefully get to know each other a little bit better. It's so awesome. And by the way, backspin golf is available. You know, you, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I mean, Let's be real about this. Because anyway, um, it is it's just awesome. And I can't thank you enough for joining me. I know how busy you are, and hopefully I get to see you soon so we can well, play some. Let's golf. do it. I have a new hip, you know. So hey, that means we can play 36 in a day, maybe 54 if we're lucky. 54, and I'll play from the back tees where no, I won't. There's Please no do shot that. of that. I don't I don't want to do that. Why would you do <laughs> all right thanks man you're the Thank best you. i'll talk to you soon all right thanks okay see ya see ya backspin golf with matthew lawrence is brought to you by commonwealth credit union welcome back now there is a guy he's a good friend of mine matt saturnus is his name he's the co-founder and editor-in-chief for pluggedingolf.com and uh, we have a lot in common. Well, let's say hello to him. Good morning, Mr. Saturnus. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. No, it's my pleasure. Believe you me. <laughs> it's always great to, to talk to you. We don't talk enough, I think, but 
we can run. We're both busy. We're both fair. Here's where I want to start with you. Uh, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Saturnus, S-A-T-E-R-N-U-S. I just saw on your great Twitter account something about this is your fifth, 500th plugged-in golf something. What? What? Yes. So I'm going to I'm going to direct people to a better Twitter account which oh, is okay. at plugged in golf. Oh um, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, uh, especially in Kentucky, I don't think people would love my personal Twitter account. Ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah, um, I get that. So it's, n- it's n- at plugged in golf or yes. plugged in golf dot com. I should yes. say. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So we just this this year we're celebrating ten years in August, and so uh, just this tomorrow actually we're sending out our five hundredth weekly newsletter. So it was a uh, uh, Kind of a big milestone crept up on me there while I was putting that together. All right. Well, it's it's a good thing I had my phone with me because I got to my calculator really quickly. And I'd say that's about 50 a, a year <laughs> you did? Every single week. Well, uh, we, we, just, we do not miss a week. This so. is just, Well, now hold on. There's two weeks in there you didn't do one every year. So. Oh, well, we're at 10 until August, so you got, you got to give me a little time. Oh, we'll get okay. to five, 500. Okay. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And they're, the, every single week, everything that you do is so great. And uh, one of the many reasons I wanted to talk to you today was we are now in a period for a lot of the country, and I get it in the Northeast and Europe and Chicagoland up there, it may not, it's still not spring like all the time, but in a lot of places, even here in Kentucky, we can now start to play golf a little bit. And one of the great things you do is your reviews of new things. Companies are always coming out with different things. What are a couple of the things that you would point us to in terms of either equipment, maybe, or clothing, or shoes, whatever? Yeah, there's there's so much. It's it's been a super rich year in terms of great equipment releases. Mm. I would say for the average recreational player, two things that stand out to me are the Ping G430 line and the Callaway Paradigm line. Ah, uh, in the drivers, just extremely forgiving and very straight. If you're somebody like me who can hit it into another zip code, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, not 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 straight. I mean, right and left, of course. <laughs> um, those two clubs are really good at keeping you in play, giving you good distance on miss hits. And then when you go to the iron sets of the same name, it's the same thing. You can hit it a little off the toe, hit it a little fat, hit it a little thin. You're still going to get up around the green. You're not going to be in the water. You're not going to be out of play. So those are two lines of clubs that I would definitely check out if I was a mid to high handicap player. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, what, well, not all of us are, but most of us. Most of us, are. yeah. Or, or a low handicap player who you know can follow their ego and just take the forgiveness because it's good for everybody. That that would be me. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm a very low handicap player, and I don't have an ego, as the people that know me know, including you. I would say absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? Well, let me. Here's. I want to ask your opinion on this while we're on this. Of course. Now, I saw a commercial. I've seen it every weekend for the, since I've been watching golf again. Uh, for I think it's John Rahm. Uh, is he with Callaway? He is. Yeah. Okay. So it's for their new driver, 
and it's got some name mm-hmm. to it. That's the paradigm. Yeah. Oh, the paradigm. Okay. And it shows you in beautiful fashion why this driver is the latest technology in drivers. And it's got, you know, there's a, a little guy inside the club that <laughs> when you hit the ball, he hits the back of the club face with a hammer, so the ball goes far. I don't know what's going on in there. But what are your feelings about – there's a lot of discussion now, too, because of how far everybody hits the ball about bifurcation, about they got to do something, they can take – you know, make the pros play a ball that won't go as far or limit the, the length of the driver or – what do you? I've never asked you this. What do you feel about yeah. equipment and ball changes? How long is this show? Because I'm going to fill the rest of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. So, <laughs> so my point, my where I always start with this because people get really have really strong opinions. What do you care about? If you care about the pro game and that's the most important thing to you, you probably don't want to see bifurcation because you like seeing them hit it obscene distances, and that's great. Right. I like accessibility, affordable golf, and I like courses that don't have to keep stretching themselves out to accommodate longer players. So, me, I think bifurcation is a great idea. I would love to see a tour-level ball, or Mm -hmm. a ball for the pros, that goes, you know, pick a number, 80% as far, 90% as far. Yeah. Because then you could play courses, like I got, I had the opportunity to play Pasa Tiempo a few years ago. Yeah. What an amazing golf course. But the pros would be hitting they'd be hitting five iron off the tee. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's not yeah. remotely long enough. Right. But if you could give them a ball where that course would be a challenge to them and they could go play a tournament there, how many people would love watching that and love watching the shot making and seeing those greens on oh, the yeah. tee? I mean, yeah. It'd be fantastic, but you'd, you'd bring so many courses back into play. Plus, you wouldn't have people feeling the need to stretch out municipal courses to have pro-style length, quote-unquote. Right. Unquote. right. So, well, and you yeah. make, you make a, it's a great point. Those are all great points. And you, but the other one is what's important to you. That's uh, we're talking about watching, you know, the best players in the world play. And now, I mean, it really, when you think about it, it's a joke. It really is. We see guys like in the Arnold Palmer last weekend or whatever it was, taking a line on a hole where they're going over houses in the neighborhood. Yeah. And cutting off, you know, 30% of the distance. And they're not even guys that we even know for the most part. It's like, oh, sure. that guy hits a 330? Oh, okay. But it, that's just part of the course at this point. You can't play on tour if you don't swing at 115 or better. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm almost there. I'm, you know, I had my hip replaced, so I'm working on my speed. I'm doing speed training go. like Harrington is. Anyway. The big question for all of us is, we don't have to do this for amateur golf. You know, for for those of us that love golf and play, unless even now for the top amateurs, you know, those guys are all hitting it. We have guys here at the University of Kentucky or Transylvania Golf who are great. You know, these guys are, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, and they're hitting it 310, 320. So... Sure. It's a it's a big discussion. I just had never asked you uh, about it before. Um, yeah, and pe- one thing people get caught up in is, well, when do you make the change? Who has to play the tour ball? And again, it's what's important to you. To me, we can figure that out. And honestly, the answer doesn't really matter to me because 
I'm more interested in the recreational golfer who is 90, what, 7, 8% of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Here's, uh, I just saw this, and this is great. I happen to be a really great putter. And I mean really great. Wait. I can, uh, no, I'm too humble for that. <laughs> I'm a pretty good putter, okay? And on your Twitter account, at Plugged In Golf, you have a review, and this is one of the things you do so well because you do it with all these clubs. Here's what it is. The Lab Golf Putters uh, paired their lie-angle balance technology with the most popular putter shape in history. Learn about the results here. And it's fascinating stuff. Why don't you tell people, what is the most popular putter shape in history, Matt? Sure, it's the Ping Answer. Oh. So you can, you can call it a, a Scotty Cameron Newport or whatever yeah. you know, brand name, but it's, it's the Ping Answer. You yeah. know, you, everybody makes their version of it. And, and then, I'm looking at the pictures of it, and boy, it sure looks like a Ping Answer. <laughs> yeah, except for where they connect the neck to it. But yeah. yeah, right, <laughs> right. What would, but so what were the so these are good putters? Yeah, so it's really interesting. The lie angle balance technology, something they've, that company's been around for several years, and they've been trying to put their technology into a head shape that's more approachable for regular golfers because mm-hmm. they've had some mallets that are really you know the big alien shapes, right? Yeah, um, and actually Adam Scott uses one. They're they're getting quite a bit more play on tour, huh. but the idea is every putter you know, it's not lie-angle balanced, has torque to it. So when you're swinging it back and forth, you are subconsciously managing that face. You're controlling it to keep it square to the path. Mm-hmm. With lie-angle balancing, the idea is if you take your hands completely out of it, that thing will stay square to path no matter what you do. You just rock your shoulders. And they have a, if you go on their website, um, they have a cool little machine they've built to demonstrate this. And it's it's a pretty neat demo, and it works. It's really good if you're if you're willing to make a little change to how you approach putting. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to go. Uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a real shakeup. It's not just going to be another new putter that's going to collect dust. It's going to be something really different for you to try. Wow. What? Okay. Quickly. What? What is that? The change? The little change you'd have to make. So when I've used lying balance putters, there the biggest thing is learning to take your hands out of it, learning to trust it, because it's kind of like uh, if you've got a car that does that uh, auto assist where it keeps you in your lane, Yeah, yeah. and you have to learn how to trust that and learn that it's not going to go steering you into the barricade, Yeah, (laughs) it's a little bit like that. So I actually, I talked to the guy who created all this, and he said, take your thumbs off the grip, like you're giving a thumbs up to yourself. And it'll take the ability, without your oh. thumb on it, you can't really steer it. I'm doing this right now, shoulder. of course, without a quarter, yeah. but I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah. So you have your, your hands on there, your fingers wrapped around it, but your thumb is up, and then you rock your shoulder. Right. And uh. it's amazing that that club face just stays perfectly square to path, and just you're, it's the results are phenomenal. It's so, really quite good. So where would you, let's say I want, I'm not going to do this because my putter is the original design that Seve Ballesteros used. Um, okay. And it was a present, and I'm brilliant with it. But if one wanted to get one of these putters, do you just go on their website? Are there places around where people live where you could go and test these out and get one? Yeah. So they are starting to get a better footprint in retail, but yeah. what, what you recommend, what I'd recommend, you have to have this fit 
for you. It's got to be fit your height and the way you stand because uh-huh. that's where the Y angle right. comes in. Right. So they have a way to do this online. It's the fitting. I think is free. You just shoot a little video of yourself. There are instructions of how oh. how you set up with a putter. Yeah. And they'll tell you, okay, you need it at this length, this lie angle, and then you can order it online with all the customization you want, whatever alignment aids and weight and things like that. This is unbelievable. Could they put a special grip on it with my name on it and the New York Yankee logo or something like that? For you, I bet they would. Oh, yeah, because I'm a, I'm a huge, legendary golf guy. You're a uh, big deal, Matt. Uh, yeah, I keep, not even in my own house am I a big <laughs> deal. Uh, are they, and finally, are they, I would assume they're fairly affordable. Um, they're compared to other putters. They're, they're comparable with other premium putters. Right. They're going to be in that, you know, I think three, $400 range, kind of like a, yeah. a Scotty Cameron, a Batnardi, things like that. Okay. Well, and the amazing thing has always been that people spend that for a driver that they use maybe 14 times during a round, but not on a putter, which you're using, <laughs> you know, a lot more. That's uh, true. It's always great to talk to you, and I promise we're going to do this more now that Backspin Golf is back from hiatus. Thanks so much, Matt. Sounds great. You Thanks rock, dude. Okay. See ya. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by French Lick Resort Casino. Welcome back to the Square Country Club on Main Street for Backspin Golf. I'm really excited about our next guest, um, as those of you that listen to the show, wherever you are, know how I feel about the Kentucky section of the PGA of America. Um, what we have going on in this state is incredible. And I am always glad to highlight things that are going on and talk about it. Well, I think I struck it rich this time because uh, as great as Ethan is with Golf House Kentucky, and as wonderful as the people are, I went after like the top top person here now. I don't mess around anymore. Uh, and so joining me now is the executive director of Golf House Kentucky, Sally Morgan. Hi, Sally. Hi. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to to chat with you. It's it's great to have you. Uh, and that title, executive director. This is a big deal. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but in September, you were unanimously agreed upon by the board of directors of the Kentucky PGA section to take over Golf House Kentucky as the executive director. Did you know that? I did, but I, I still have to pinch myself. It's um, it's a little bit surreal, um, but I am so humbled and honored to be in this position and to have the board support me like that. It Again, I do have to pinch myself. It's pretty incredible. Okay. Here's what I want to know now, because, you know, I've gotten some awards in my life over the years. I don't, I don't ever like to brag about myself, but not one of them was unanimous. I can tell you that. Um, tell us, uh, just share with us a little bit about, uh, your background and then we'll get into golf house, Kentucky itself. But I know that you were with the Carolinas section of the PGA. Tell us a little bit about how you got to Louisville and golf house, Kentucky. Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I'm originally from Georgia, right outside Atlanta, um, Milton, Georgia, 
grew up playing the game. So it was competitive pretty much my whole entire life. Um, once it came time to figure out um, where I wanted to go to school, I realized that um, there were obviously a ton of golf scholarships and whatnot out there, especially being a female in, in the golf world. But I, I was good, but I wasn't good enough to play on TV was kind of the <laughs> the solution I came to here. Yeah. So I it led me to the PGA Golf Management Program, university program. Um, as many listeners probably know, may, may or may not, 18 universities across the country have this program. So can go through and earn your undergraduate degree, undergrad degree, as well as your class A PGA membership. So I ended up at Mississippi State in Starkville, Mississippi, Stark oh, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're, we are very familiar in Lexington with Stark Vegas. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> SEC world there. So, yeah. um, no, it was an incredible time. I was very fortunate while I was there um, to work with the Tennessee PGA section. So early on, got to know the the section world and and loved it. Um, From there, I was fortunate to work with PGA of America headquarters in a few different capacities. So got to see the the national championships. Um, So that scale of the championship was incredible. Um, Worked a little bit in some of the merchandising um, areas of some of the championships as well, which was pretty neat. Um, I was also fortunate to work with the PGA Tour uh, for a little bit um, as well. I worked with the golf course properties uh, sector, so oversaw TPC business development with some of the courses and facilities um, in that network. So um, from there, like you said, I I worked with the Carolinas PGA section, served as director of marketing there. Um, Absolutely loved it. I knew, like I said, kind of from starting in Tennessee and then um, getting a feel for some of the national scale of things. I, I loved the the local section work. Um, it was just where I felt drawn to. So was in Carolinas being at the largest section of the PGA um, was certainly um, a great experience. And uh, an opportunity opened up here at uh, Golf House Kentucky to be the assistant executive director at the time. Um, it was um, just the path I knew I wanted to take to to move up in my career Certainly being here where I am now has uh, happened a lot quicker than I expected, but um, but it's been great. I uh, had never been to Kentucky other than coming for the 2014 PGA Championship at Valhalla a few years mm-hmm. ago. But aside from that, I didn't know much about Kentucky. So I, I took the plunge and here we are. So it's well, been, been great. <laughs> and as you said, I, when I was just doing some research about you, and this path, the first thing that came up when I Googled your name was that you were appointed the assistant executive director. And then immediately after that, it said named executive director. And I went, <laughs> I don't know if she bumped off who was there before her so she could move up. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but that's the way it happened. And that was last September, just last September, right? Yeah, so um, actually a little over a year ago now, last February, I became interim. So I was interim throughout the season last year. The team did a great job kind of getting everything done. And then it became official in September. So it's been a crazy year, crazy couple of years. Yeah, well, it's it's awesome. I want you, we're speaking with Sally Morgan, the executive director of Golf House Kentucky. And if you would, I know about Golf House Kentucky I want you to tell our listeners who may not know 
exactly what that is, Golf House Kentucky. Sure. And kind of to what you're alluding to, we're pretty unique um, compared to other sections across the country. So, um, so Golf House Kentucky, we are the family of golf organizations um, across the state. Uh, we oversee the uh, USGA's association of the Kentucky Golf Association. Uh, we oversee the PGA section, the Kentucky PGA section. And then we have our Kentucky Golf Foundation as well. So we're one staff operating all of those different entities. But um, it's it's pretty incredible to be able to leverage the relationships across the organizations, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we are one of three in the country that are structured this way. So us, Indiana, and the Sun Country section out in New Mexico are the only ones to operate, you know, one staff over all of those organizations. So Certainly a lot going on under the one roof, Uh, but it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. Do you get, just as an aside, do you get to play at all? Um, I have not played as much as I should. I'll just say that. (laughs) Well, none of us are playing as much as we Um, But that whole dynamic to me is really interesting in Mm -hmm. what you said and that it encompasses the Kentucky PGA section and, you know, the, all the different kind of the USGA part of the USGA. That's uh, it's amazing. How come there are only three of these? Do you have any idea why there are only three of these? So there, there, so Tennessee used to be like this. They still have a really good relationship. Um, they have golf house, Tennessee, where the amateur association and professional association are, under one roof, but they operate separately from a staff standpoint. Um, Mm. I actually learned this recently. Iowa used to be structured this way too, but they split off. Um, I, I think it just depends. I think from a scale standpoint, just because we're a little bit smaller than some other associations, um, it works for us just, especially from the PGA section standpoint, we have 325 members um, so on the smaller scale to be able to kind of leverage, you know, being transparent financially, being able to kind of leverage right. the other associations, it helps a lot. So I think the reason is probably that it just depends on the scale and, and what resources every, um, region or section would have. Um, but it works for us and it, it certainly, I know it works for Indiana as well. Mike David up there has been phenomenally successful. So it's, um, it's great. The whole thing is great for, for all of us. Uh, you know, obviously we all love the game and we love watching the players championship, but to us, the important thing is all of the amateur golfers and all of just us regular people, although I'm really good. I mean, I, you know, uh, but for everybody else, <laughs> right? <laughs> everybody else, uh, it's it's a fantastic thing. Can you fill us in on maybe some of the things that are coming up? With I I looked at the list yesterday and I was like, oh my lord, there's a Sally's going to be busy for a while. Yes, yes, <laughs> I could probably sit here for the rest of the day and tell you everything going on too. But. Um... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, but no, we're excited. The um, Our season uh, officially just opened up on March 1st. So all of you amateur golfers out there can start posting your scores um, through the gen system with the USGA. So work on getting your handicap index where you want it to be. Yeah, um, everybody listening, be honest, okay? <laughs> yes. 
I'll just say that. All right. Yes. Yes. Please be honest with that. <laughs> um, but certainly excited to get the season going there. Uh, tournament registration just opened for our Kentucky PGA and Kentucky Golf Association events. So um, people can start signing up for those for the, the whole season. Um, on the foundation side, we already have some fundraising events on the schedule and, and coming up. Um, one of our programs that we operate under the foundation is PGA HOPE, HOPE standing for Helping Our Patriots Everywhere. Um, it's a um, free instructional program for our military veterans. It's a wow. phenomenal program. Um, it gives me chills just to talk about yeah. it, but yeah. Um, we have an event coming up uh, to fundraise for that called Hope for Heroes. It's taking place April, uh, I should know that, April 24th. Um, uh, so we're really excited about that. Um, where will that else? be, for example? Where will, it'll be at Polo Fields in Louisville. Okay. Um, we have a... Our KPGA spring member conference coming up. So our PGA professionals um, twice a year get together um, for a business meeting, but also just to kind of stay updated on the industry, what's going on, continuing education. Um, so we're excited about that. That um, every March and December takes place at Griffin Gate, Marriott, and Lexington. They're a yeah. phenomenal host for us for that event. Um during that event as well, we also welcome different vendor companies. So we have a ton of uh, very uh, supportive partner companies that we work with. So as much as we can, you know, help them grow their business, we uh, try to expose them to our professionals and elevate um, what they can do there. So uh, we also just opened our Hall of Fame nominations. Um, so if anybody out there has anybody that they would like to nominate to be uh, considered to go into our Kentucky Golf Foundation Hall of Fame, uh, that'll be open through uh, July 5th. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, what are the prerequisites? Like I've I've been in Kentucky for 14 years. Am I eligible to go into the Hall of Fame? Yes. So um, okay. you have to be have been a Kentucky resident for at least five years. So, I'm, I'm good um, there. so okay. you're good. You got it covered. Okay. Good. <laughs> and uh, well, you'll be getting I won't send it, but one of my friends will probably nominate me. So, you know. All right. There okay. we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, as I said, we just came back from hiatus last week from back for backspin golf. I will mm -hmm. now be on through September and anything that I can do, you just let me know, please reach out. I'll be checking in with you anyway, just to have you, have you on periodically and update us on what's going on. And we're very happy to have you as the executive director of Golf House Kentucky. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. This is fun. See you soon. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Well, that'll do it. Man, I love those three guests. I love all our guests, but this was really fun. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday morning at 8.03 as per usual. And once again, as always, we can't do this without our incredible partners on Backspin Golf, Commonwealth Credit Union, Georgetown Advantage Air, Critter Control, Truly Nolan, Edwin Watts, French Lick Resort, Gearheads of Nicholasville, of course, our great golf courses at Lexington Parks and Rec, 
and Maple Leaf Roofing Systems, wowing Central Kentucky one roof at a time. Have a great Sunday. We'll be back next week right here on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Lexington Parks and Recreation.